This is the Toasted Sister Podcast. I'm Andy Murphy. Before I get started, I'd like to let you know about a new special feature on Native America Calling. That's the one-hour live radio show about Native issues and topics where I'm the full-time producer. And this special feature is called The Menu for Now. It's a monthly episode where I focus on all things new and newsy in the world of indigenous food and food sovereignty. I'll post about future episodes on Toasted Sister social media, but you might also want to follow and tune into Native America Calling as well. This is the only live radio show of its kind in the country. Jacob Torres is a name you might be familiar with here in New Mexico. He's known as the Space Chili Guy, and it's actually a perfect way to describe what he does at NASA. Yeah, that's the National Aeronautics and Space Administration. I met Torres about a year ago when I wrote a short story on him for New Mexico Magazine, and he quickly became a friend of mine. When he came to New Mexico for a visit from Florida, I made sure to invite him over so he could share with you the science and engineering work he does to make sure that New Mexico Green Chili has a spot on board the next mission to Mars. So I'm here in my kitchen here in Albuquerque with Jacob Torres. Uh, Jacob, introduce yourself. Andy, thank you for having me. My name is Jacob Torres. I'm an engineering plant scientist at NASA Kennedy Space Center in Florida. Um, and I get to work with this awesome group, uh, a space crop production group, who's learning how to grow crops in space, um, later on the moon, eventually on Mars. And uh, one crop that we're growing is New Mexico green chili. So I'm really excited to be here and share that with the world. All right. We know that green chili is an indigenous plant. So, so that's why I wanted to talk about it on the podcast here. But first, you're, you live in Florida, but you're here for you know you've been here the last couple of days and it's kind of been crazy um you were telling me people have been wanting you to kiss their babies and stuff like that (laughs) tell me about that what's that been like coming back um to your hometown Española you know it's been so exciting but I have been in a COVID bubble to uh to work at Kennedy Space Center to work on flight experiments 
you have to maintain a certain level of isolation to go on site or otherwise you have to telework. And we have this experiment PHO4, which was a flight experiment happening during COVID. And I wanted to be involved with it. I wanted to be in it. So that meant that I had to isolate at home and only work and that and I couldn't come home to New Mexico to visit my family and all of that other stuff. So it's been since to, the December 2019 that I've been back. And then now that I've been here, we've done so many things since then, like sent New Mexico chili to space. Um, I have the activity, the Space Chili Grow Pepper Plant Challenge, where we sent seeds all over the world. And I just haven't been home to New Mexico physically to talk to my neighbors and stuff about it. So uh, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting trip because everybody's just super excited to say hello and get a mission badge, which I'm handing out. And it's just such a unique experience because when I left, I was, you know, kind of uh, maybe not super popular. I was maybe a little bit of a nerd kind of thing. And now I came back as the space chili guy. And it's so exciting that my community is excited to have me and see me and do all that stuff. So it's been just super humbling. It's a super humbling and I've been having a lot of fun. So, yeah, you've been getting a lot of um, uh, attention from the press, including me. I did a short piece on you uh, about last year mm -hmm. for our uh, New Mexico Magazine big chili spread. It was the chili issue of New Mexico Magazine from last year. And um, that's where I kind of first learned about you. The, I think the editor... No, it was it, I found you on Facebook because I think maybe we have some common friends and I pitched it over to the editor and I'm like, hey, have you guys heard of what uh, Jacob's doing in uh uh, Florida at NASA and they're like oh that's cool let's um let's fit him into the chili issue and that was kind of like last minute that's why it was kind of like a short piece but for that really short piece it was probably like you know 150 words long we talked on the phone for what almost two hours yeah, yeah about yeah. New Mexico about chili and everything yeah. um let's go back a little bit can you talk can you talk more about um what you're doing at NASA with um, with green chili? Kind of start at the beginning, where okay. you know how did how did green chili become a thing? You know, um, NASA has a mission to do human exploration um, in other environments, like going to the moon, staying on the moon, living on the moon, uh, going to Mars, and and starting a Mar Mars colony. Um, along the way, that requires that the crew will need to have food and nutrition and, and, and those things are so important to be able to accomplish your mission. Uh, but th the food that we're able to send up to them is limited. Uh, it, not one, of course, it weighs it has a weight to it so you know everything that you launch up to space has weight and it's very expensive to launch um, to send food up to them they don't have ovens or that you don't have a fire or anything to cook food on the space station or in in a space type environment so you have to supply the astronauts with food that's ready to go which means freeze-dried meals they have all types of meals that, that they eat. They're really super, super awesome. Um, it's, they're made and prepared at the Johnson Space Center in Houston. Uh, but the big problem with that is over a long duration, there are nutrients and vitamins in those meals that degrade over time. They have a half-life. So, you know, uh, if, if we're talking about going to Mars, depending on where the planet is, it can be a two-year to six-month trip to get there. And during that time, that food is expiring, you know, those nutrients and those vitamins. So how do we make them up? We could send more food 
you know, more freeze-dried meals up, you know? Um, or, or are there alternatives? Is there something that we can do? Is there a way to get fresh food into their diets? And that's very important too, to have fresh crops in, or, or fresh type of foods into your meals. And, you know, NASA scratched their heads for a, a little while. We went over different possibilities that we can do. And in the end, we, we, we decided that plants, we could grow crops fresh crops, grow them in space, grow them in the spacecraft, grow them in a controlled environment on the moon or on Mars, and use that as a way to make up those lost nutrients. So um, I have this amazing team called the Space Crop Production Team at NASA Kennedy Space Center. Kennedy Space Center is known for launching rockets. That's where the Apollo rockets launch from. That's where the space shuttle launches from. Uh, the SpaceX rockets that we all see launch from there also. But we're also the designated plant growing center for NASA. And uh, our whole mission is to figure out what it takes, what is the science, what type of hardware, what practices do you have to do to grow different crops in space. But there's challenges. One, we couldn't use the sun. We're, we're testing on the International Space Station. There's two systems on there. One is Veggie, which is a real system, simple system. It's a light with a bag and you can put maybe six plants underneath it. And the second one is the Advanced Plant Habitat, which controls the environment and it, it automates everything. We can control it from here from Earth and that's kind of what we're doing. Um, but we have these two systems to just learn the basics. There aren't pollinators up there. So no bees, we have to use artificial lighting, an artificial environment, and just some crops don't like that. They have evolved for their whole period, their whole time evolved growing outdoors under a certain type of light and dirt and all these things. It's, what do you have to do to grow a, a plant in a controlled environment? So we started simply. Uh, there's a, a test plant that we call, called Arabidopsis. It's technically a weed, but it grows very easily and it allows us to grow a plant and then do like genosyncrasing and other things in a short amount of time. And we learn a lot about growing plants that way. Then we moved into things like leafy greens. Leafy greens, lettuce, pak choy, mizuna mustard, those, those are things that we've grown in, in the past. Um, and, but they are short-term crops. They don't require pollination. Uh, and uh, you can pick and eat them. But we're talking like 28 days when you plant the seed and harvest it. But if you want to grow, you, I guess I should say that we couldn't live on lettuce alone. You would have to have a diverse amount of crops to eat to be able to supplement the diet. And that means going into fruiting things, things that flower, um, that require pollination and need then fruit or have vegetables. That requires, you know, a longer duration grow out, more than 28 days. Um, it means crew interaction to maybe pollinate the flowers or thin them down and other things. And so these are things that just haven't been done yet um, over a long duration in space. If you're going to start branching out into flowering crops, you want to find one that's very hardy, almost a good bet. And in our search, we learned that peppers are a good variety or a good uh, plant to grow because of the way that they grow. And they, it doesn't require uh, cross-pollination. You can tap the flower and that'll pollinate it. Um, it has a lot, they have a lot of nutrients in them like vitamin C, vitamin B, and creatine. And then the, the heat is also good for astronauts. And then um, the, the, if we could find a pepper that would grow into our environment and fit really good, it would be just a good bet for us to see, you know, expand our horizons to grow other crops. 
And in our search, uh, I work with this wonderful horticulturist. Her name is Lachelle Spencer at Kennedy Space Center. And, you know, once we start talking about what plant are we going to grow in space, we're going to grow peppers. Great. Which pepper do you grow? Uh, which one do you pick? There's our friends in Carolina who say the Carolina Reaper is the best one. You know, uh, there's our friends. We have we got messages from Bulgaria. Um, uh, the Bulgarian carrot is the is the way to go. Um, you know, and then there's us in New Mexico. We have the best peppers in the world. So <laughs> which ones do we pick? In the end, it turns into this crop selection scientific process where we order seeds from around the world. We'll grow them in test style in our growth environment and see which ones work the best and in the end there was these New Mexico varieties that just didn't seem to mind that they were under artificial light or in this small chamber and stuff like that so it, uh, ultimately we evolved to realize that the New Mexico peppers were were the best for our environment and um, we started digging into those and we landed on one variety which is a hybrid it's a cross between the New Mexico Big Jim pepper and the traditional Española pepper it's called the Española Improved. It was derived by the New Mexico Chili Pepper Institute. And we're growing those, and those are the ones that we've sent to space. And, it's, and essentially, it's a gateway plant that if we're able to grow peppers with this one, then it would open the door to doing other things like tomatoes, maybe. And cucumbers is one thing that I would like to grow. But more fruit and vegetables, if this grow out with peppers grows well, then we will expand to do other crops in the end. That is so interesting. Um, I mean, that's fascinating. I mean, it, 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 I, I think I asked you, like, what does your lab look like? And you're like, you know, imagine what a lab, a science lab looks like on TV. It looks like that. And I'm like, you're lucky. That's, that's so awesome. So high tech. And, um, you know, you definitely have a lot of um, energy and enthusiasm for your work here. But um, when you guys were testing out all of these peppers and then came down to the Española improved, Española mm -hmm. improved one. Um, how did that, like, like, were you just like hoping in the background, like, I hope it's the Española one because you're from there. I mean, what was that like for you to, to, to know finally that, oh, I think this is the one that we're going to go with. I love that question. <laughs> Thank you so much for asking it. You know, it may be strange to say this, but I am a scientist. That is what I am by core. You know, that's what I do. And I was very worried about skewing the, the selection because I may be a little bit biased. And so uh, I, 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 instead of being excited, I actually had a lot of anxiety over it because when the the espanol improved started to show that this is the one that grows within our chamber it likes to grow within this space you know all of these things I, I was nervous that that i may have had an effect that would skew that selection so i didn't say anything um that i was from espanol in new mexico I, I just didn't say anything and i let the science play out and uh, in the end, the selection wasn't done by me. It's done by a science team. We get together, we throw out the, the, the pros and the cons, and the team as a whole decides which one the crop should be. And when they said that the Española Improved is going to be the one, that's when I kind of came out and said, oh, by the way, um, my hometown is Española. <laughs> and so... <laughs> So it's been exciting, but at the same time, as a scientist, I have a little bit of anxiety because I don't want to be a biased researcher. 
Yeah, I totally get that. Um, let's just go back a little bit. Um, you're you're talking about this um, this whole space of time, space of time, <laughs> this, this whole chunk of time here. Um, what what year did some of these things happen? First, I have to say that New Mexico peppers were under review by NASA before I got there, um, and I've talked to my great friend, NASA scientist Dr. Ray Wheeler. And he is like our grandfather of, he's like the grandfather of the space biology program. He, he's been growing with NASA since the 70s. Of Many people may have seen the movie The Martian um, and, and Mark Watney and the potatoes. The, the, well, um, Mark Wahlberg? Uh, uh, or Mark, Mark Watney is the oh. name of the character. And, uh, and Matt Damon plays Mark, Mark Watney. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. Well, that character was based off of uh, actual research. And that research was Ray Wheeler. So what I'm saying is that the real Mark Watney is Ray Wheeler. And, and I got to work with him. And um, uh, he, his parents are passed away in Las Lunas. They retired and passed away in Las Lunas. His name is Wheeler. So Wheeler Peak is the largest peak in New Mexico. And they're just so, they just love New Mexico. So New Mexico peppers have been on the radar for NASA for a long time. But it was when I joined the team in 2018 is when they started talking about growing peppers in the advanced plant habitat. The APH is a fairly new system. There, uh, we do a series of experiments called the pH experiments, which are the plant habitat experiments. pH01 was uh, done with UNM and Los Alamos National Labs with NASA to grow a Arabidopsis, and that was the first one that kicked it off. Um, there was pH02, which grew space radishes that you can look up. We, we grew those during the pandemic. PHO3 hasn't happened yet, but I'm also working on that. And PHO4 is hatched to ISS, growing peppers in space. And we started talking about that during my internship in 2018 during the summer. And so I had meetings with NASA, and they're just so cool. Like, it, you're not just an intern when you show up there. You are part of the team. They call us sprouts, uh, students planting, uh, students plant, sprouts, spreading, students planting plants of use to space, something like that. And so I'm a sprout. <laughs> and they make you a full member of the team, and you sit there in the meetings, and they started talking about hatch. Hatch, hatch, hatch. And I'm thinking in my mind, hatch? There's a town where I'm from called Hatch, New Mexico. They grow peppers. And they're all, yeah, the big gym. I was like, oh, you guys are talking about Hatch peppers? And they're like, yes, they're all, we want to name this project Hatch to ISS, launching the Hatch Big Gym up to the International Space Station. Yeah. Oh, that's great. You know, so then I got involved in the conversation. And the, 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 the whole thing in, about growing a long-duration crop is, is, one, energy consumption. You know, we're using a lot of energy to grow these peppers. Two, crew interaction, interaction to get an astronaut to go in and, like, pollinate flowers. or do, It's really, really hard. So if you pick a pepper that grows a little bit faster, you know, maybe it turns red faster. You can harvest it faster. The, the crew is eating something fresh quicker. But also you're reducing the energy energy consumption and crew time. And so my thought was in northern New Mexico, it's still the mountains, the still the Rocky Mountains in northern New Mexico. Um, Hatch is down south and it's in the desert. It's down in the desert. It's not sea level, but it's hotter down there. Winter takes longer to get down to Hatch. The New Mexico, the northern New Mexico varieties have to mature before the winter comes, before winter shows up and stuff like that. And so I just recommended, hey, if we want to save some crew time, maybe we should try some of the northern varieties. 
And um, that's, they said, great. Uh, immediately, they contacted the New Mexico Chili Pepper Institute. And we worked to get different varieties, like a Chimayo version, um, uh, the Española Improved, which is a hybrid. There's a, another version called the, the traditional New Mexico 6-4. Um, and so there's just these different New Mexico varieties that we tried. And the Española Improved matured, turned red literally 10 days sooner than the Big Jim did. And that was the definition or what, what led to, to us using that Española Improved. But so uh, long story short is that peppers have been part of the topic or thought for NASA for a long time, but actually implementing it and making it happen happened around 2018. And then from 2018 until now, till 2020, when we launched them into space, that's kind of how long it took to get them up there. Um, so, so what's what's next um, for this mission? I mean, um, are we talking about twenty um, fifty when we're going to go to Mars? Like, what's what's next? The immediate next. You know, right now, we are at day thirty-two. Uh, we're doing a one hundred and twenty-day grow out. We're trying to do everything we can to follow the local tradition. So, um, in in this case, that means chili with an e. Um, which is a big thing, uh, and then also harvesting the way that the local the local community does, which means harvesting at green at 80 days, and then harvesting at red at 120 days. And the hope is that the astronauts will be asking the state question, red or green, which one will they get to have? We have got approval from the, the, the flight surgeon for them to eat some of the peppers. Uh, but really, our only hope, our success criteria for this mission is to grow one pepper. If we get one, then that's a success. We're hoping to get more. And next, that means that if, if it's successful, that opens the door to doing exploration like growing chili on the moon or, you know, in a controlled environment. And NASA is really, um, they're known for sticking with things that work. So if we put this work into this cultivar and it grows really well, it's a good possibility that this will be a staple of our growth operations from now on. So the Artemis missions are coming up in the next few years where we go to the moon and we definitely will grow crops there. They're um, doing a, a station, a, like an international space station, but not around the earth. It'll be in a halo orbit above the moon. We'll get to grow crops there. And then ultimately we want to go to Mars. We're shooting for the 2030s to go to Mars and do controlled environment grow outs there. But uh, the immediate, the next immediate thing that we have our eyes on are the Artemis missions and growing plants on the moon. And hopefully Chile will be included. Nice. So do you think the astronauts are going to be equipped with like recipes or is it just like just eating these peppers raw? That is such a great question. <laughs> For right now, we'll be eating them raw. It's one very nice thing about peppers is that they're enclosed in this seed pouch and they have a shiny coating around them, and then all of the meat and nutrients is on the inside, uh, which makes it easy to sanitize it and then eat it. Food safety is a huge concern, and then making sure the crops that we grow are, don't make the crew sick is very important too. So 
you know, you don't you don't only grow peppers at um, you know the at NASA. You grow a whole bunch of peppers at your home in uh, Florida. You know, you just did a harvest. You're like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what to do with all of this. I'm just gonna like, you know, leave some at my neighbor's house. Um, tell me about that that journey um, growing at your own home, and then what what do you do with some of these peppers? I know you've eaten some of them raw, but what what's your favorite thing to do with all the different types of peppers you grow? at your home that's great for, for the most part I give them away because uh, I you know I grow all these amazing peppers so it's a continuous learning process um, I did grow chili here in New Mexico growing up um, not on a grand scale but but we always had a garden with our own chili growing when I went to New Mexico State University I worked with the with the department called MTech and we worked with the New Mexico Chili Association and we built agricultural equipment for farmers you know like destemming harvesting and things like that um, so then you know going to Florida and growing space chili in the lab I, I realized that I've never grown a plant a pepper plant in a controlled environment and watched it you know we grow it out in our garden we go out to harvest it when the time comes how often do you grow a pepper plant you know in your living room or in a controlled environment and watch what happens and I learned and I realized that I had a lot to learn you know um the like when the first pepper plant we grew inside the tips of the pepper started to turn red and I was like oh my god what's happening and I messaged Ray Wheeler look at these Ray Wheeler and he's like yeah they start to the tips start to turn red before the rest of the fruit does I'm like oh I did never notice that before so I figured I realized that I needed to take some homework home and start growing peppers at home as well. So I'm growing peppers inside my house and then I'm growing them outside as well. And I end up having all kinds. And, I, and it's safe to say that I pretty much impose our culture on all the people around me because if it's green chili harvest, everybody's getting green chili that day. And if I have peppers, then I'm handing them out to everybody. So uh, I get to grow these peppers that are part of my home and my culture it makes me feel like i'm home and then i get to share it with people and spread who we are and i assure you that everybody in my team knows where new mexico is and what new mexico chili is and it's like because of stuff like that and you know you're, you're sharing uh chili with the world because you have uh this group um i always forget the name of it i'll let you i'll let you introduce the group but uh through this group people can um really learn how to grow inside of their own homes um they have you, you give them a little uh packet of chili seeds really it's about you know promoting science and really just spreading that New Mexico love. Tell me about that that group and how people could maybe get um, get involved if they wanted to. I um, learned that that you can use a sentence as a title, which uh, you know when I was coming up with with the name for this activity, I couldn't think of what it would be. And finally, I said, you know what? The Space Chili Grow a Pepper Plant Challenge. And that's the name of it. And it, it is a mouthful, you know. Uh, but 
for me, I was working at Kennedy Space Center and I was the only New Mexican who got to see this chili and all this stuff going on. And I'm like, man, my neighbors wouldn't believe me if I told them. And so I wanted to find a way to get people involved so they can experience it as well. When will there ever be a New Mexico, when will there ever be a first fruit in space? You know, we should enjoy it and be a part of it. And I wanted to find a way for that to happen. And um, also, there's only so many of us in the lab growing plants. And, and there's, I mentioned that we have a lot to learn and a lot to do. And, and Lachelle and I alone just couldn't do it. So I needed more help. And in those two needs there to share the space chili and then get more research done, the space chili grow pepper plant challenge arose as a way to bring people in. Uh, they get to, I, uh, you, you'll actually, people do send me a message. Um, I'll mail out a mission badge with Martinez Chimayo seeds with a little bit of instruction. Uh, the space farmer, you, anybody, will get those seeds, grow the pepper plant at home, and then record some data for me. Like, let me know how long it took to start growing, germinate. Um, when did it start flowering? When did you start fruiting? When did you have green chili? When did you have red chili? Just recording those things, and then in the different environments that everybody's growing them, turns into a trial that I can put into a database and then it helps us to learn how to grow our peppers well. And at the same time, the people who are participating are involved in Space Chile. You're learning about science, what it's like to be a, a scientist, agriculture, engineering, because we're making the, the things to grow our pepper plants in. All of these things turned into this amazing activity um it came out right at the beginning of the pandemic and people were uh staying home they needed an activity something to do students couldn't go to school and they needed to stay engaged and so i just happened to be in the right place at the right time where the space chili challenge um turned into this immense thing where people are growing plants around the world and i we literally have new mexico chili seeds growing in every continent of the world. Um, in Antarctica, ISS Eden, my colleague Jess Buncheck is growing Chimayo and Espanola chili seeds. We're in Australia, New Zealand, at least five countries in Africa, um, all through the European Union, and all of everybody are growing these New Mexico chilies, recording data for me, but then they're also learning about agriculture and all that on the side. And so it's just this amazing activity that has been just wonderful for everybody. Yeah, it's definitely been really cool to see young young people really getting involved in this. And I, I remember I follow the group. I've been following the group since um, I did that article about you. And I'm seeing people grow out these chilies and some of them are saying that, oh my gosh, it's hot or what do I do with them now? And I'm seeing people put them into really interesting dishes. I mean, here in New Mexico, we're just like original with it. It just becomes a sauce. It just becomes roasted into, you know, your hamburgers and on top of your steak and whatever. So we're kind of, you know, really traditional like that. But to see what other people are doing with it around the world, I mean, that's that's really been kind of fascinating. And I did offer up, oh, yeah, I offered up that, that one recipe um, oh. in case people wanted to make red chili sauce, like have their, their green chilies turn into red chili. And um, hopefully people tried it out there. I mean, that, that, that's, um, and green chili's, green chili's awesome. It's, it's good. But, you know, I think I'm, I'm a red chili girl. I made that transition like a couple years ago, and I don't think I'm going to go, <laughs> going to yeah. go back, but I love red chili. So yeah. I decided to share a recipe um, in case other people want 
wanted to to do that with their red chili. Um, but what do you what do you think is going to be uh, what do you think is going to be next for that group, or what do you want to do next with this group? First, I want to thank you so much for that recipe. It meant so much to us as a community because um, we have the agricultural side handled, but what to do with our peppers after, I'm not a great cook. I don't know what to do with them. Um, And and so you, you posted that recipe for a red chili sauce. To make, to make a sauce out of maybe four peppers, which is something that our chilies, our, our growers would have. We don't have a field. We just have a few from our pepper plant, and we want to eat them. And I saw several people use it and post it, and we had the space chili fiestas, and um, uh, at least three people had made space chili dip with your sauce and then presented it at our, at our, uh, at our symposium and stuff. So thank you so much. Um, I even know that it was made in Japan. Uh, <laughs> just, I was so stoked about that and and in in the end it's all a community everybody has their own perspective you know i have the plant growth and the science part and you have like the preparation and the food part we have artists who've come in who've made the mission badge um there's researchers from wisconsin who've done the data you know and it's just turned into this amazing thing where it's an opportunity for not only students and education but you know people like me regular people who want to be involved uh it's it's a way for them to get involved with all without all the red tape that you normally experience with a NASA type of activity. And um, so my hope is to continue to do the Space Chili Challenge as long as people are interested in it. Uh, maybe we will evolve to do other things. Maybe we want to do, we, maybe we follow NASA as they evolve to other crops. And maybe it turns into the Space Chili Grow a Tomato Plant Challenge. And if we turn into a mechanism that helps NASA do some research, grow in different environments that we're unable to do, it could be of value to them. And then we all can keep learning and doing fun space biology stuff on the side so to turn it into an educational um uh thing i do i do bring in at least two classrooms a week and so i always have a classroom in the background we don't get to see them because they're not allowed to post on facebook and stuff like that so there's only a percentage that we see in the group page but to have that continue and then for it to be a, a research outlet for nasa to explore other crops in the future i would it, we literally have an army of space farmers growing with us and so i would just like to keep that growing that would be the sweetest that's awesome an army of uh, space growers yes. uh, <laughs> so let's uh, let's take it back a little bit you kind of already um talked about um growing up as a gardener band on that a little bit more and then talk about how you landed at nasa I mean, I think you've, uh, you know, you, you did a couple of years in a, um, in the restaurant world, right? That, that's fascinating, too. You know, when I first graduated high school, I firmly believed that I didn't need to go to college, that I don't need to do that. I moved to Las Vegas, Nevada, and I always, you know, I'm kind of a rocker. And at the time, the Hard Rock Cafe was like, the Hard Rock Cafe in Las Vegas was the, the place to be. And I just wanted to work there. So I started busing tables um, when I was 17 years old in, in on the Vegas Strip. It wasn't long before, you know, I started to work my way into being a supervisor and then management. By the time I was 21 years old, I was a manager of the restaurant there. Um, I 
have the honor of meeting Bill Murray, the actor and the comedian in Las Vegas, and he invited me to come open restaurants with him. So uh, I opened uh, three restaurants with Bill Murray, the Murray Brothers Caddyshack, just based off the movie, The Caddyshack. And basically the, the Murray family just wanted to have a place where they could eat and drink for free at their favorite <laughs> golf places. So Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, St. Augustine, Florida, where the World Golf Hall of Fame is, and then Orlando, which is a huge golfing place too. And so uh, I got to open those restaurants and, and work with them, and it was absolutely amazing and fun. But by the time I was 22, I was kind of already at the top of the food chain of running and managing restaurants. All I had left was to own it, you know, and I just felt in my heart that there was more for me, that, that I could do more. And it took me a little while to derive that the way that I was going to do that was to go to school and get a degree. So I quit uh, my job to their dismay. They were not happy that, that I quit my job. And I moved home with my mom, moved into my room from high school and all of that stuff. And I rolled, enrolled for, in classes at Northern New Mexico College, which is a, the community college in Española. And I got a two-year degree there. I thought that would be great. I'm going to do that. Uh, renewable energies w was my thing at that time. So I'm going to install solar panels in Santa Fe and Taos. And, and that's going to be my job. But after I graduated, I got a letter from New Mexico State University. And they said, hey, if you come here to get your four-year degree, we'll give you a scholarship. So they gave me a transfer achievement scholarship, which was paid by the New Mexico Lottery, to go to NMSU in Las Cruces and get my engineering degree. And you know, I always joked about being an engineer. Mom, I'm going to be an engineer one day. You know, things like that. But my math skills weren't there. And I just thought that this wasn't for me. I couldn't do it. But I did. It, I ended up finding these teachers that taught math in a different way than they did at public school. Um, I started to understand some of the concepts. I realized that I'm really good with my hands. And, and then, uh, I, I don't know, I wouldn't say that I'm an artist, but I've always been very creative. And, and um, that creativity works good for developing new products and developing new inventions and building things and solving problems. And, and so that worked really good. School opened the door to something that I didn't even know I had. And then once I had that degree and that skill, there were people in the industry looking for that skill. So I got hired by an engine manufacturer called Cummins. They're one of the largest diesel engine manufacturers in the world. Um, I am a renewable energy guy. Diesel engines are the dirtiest engines on planet Earth. In 2017, the EPA were putting up the highest standards that they've ever done. Every engine or on highway, anything had to meet these standards to drive. And so my job was to make the dirtiest engine in the world the cleanest engine that had ever been made at that type. So uh, I was an engineer. I am an engineer that developed and designed an engine. I built one. It came out in 2017. We met those EPA standards. It was great. It was exciting. Guess what? I got bored with engines. An engine is an engine, you know? It, it could be a small one in a little car. It could be a huge one in a train. They're all the same parts. I felt like I wanted to do more. Purdue University is in Indiana, which is where I was working, and I suddenly became a resident there. Neil Armstrong went to Purdue. Drew Brees went to Purdue. Uh, Buzz Aldrin went, you know, there's just these amazing people. And I, oh, gosh, if I could be an engineer to go to Purdue, Univer Purdue University, I'm going to do that. So I applied. I applied for one school. That was it. If I got in, I was going to go. If I didn't, I wasn't. I uh, 
studied for and took the GRE exam and uh, I got accepted into Purdue. They gave me a teaching assistantship and I taught to pay for tuition. Well, it went. Um, when you go into graduate school, you have to pick a research topic. What am I going to research? Uh, you know, I didn't even cover the plant growth stuff that I did when I was growing up. But, um, you know, I grew up growing plants, in particular with my grandmother. She had this grand paradise of a garden in the middle of the desert you know beautiful flowers grass and everything and then everything else is just really dry when she started to get whole old it was hard for her to keep it up um and it was hard to see that garden degrade so i took it over and so in that i always grew plants and it was through my grandma and all those things so then fast forward to purdue university uh, there is, was research done by nasa in the 1970s to use plants to filter air um and primarily to filter them in a space capsule it, you know where people are in there and you have to have systems that filter the air and remove the carbon and volatile organic compounds and they thought wow we can maybe we can use pipe remediation and plants to do that and um so there's all this research that says that these plants filter air and the thought was can we set them up in a way where we can pull air through the roots and filter that air for a household and what came out was a, a bio wall. We call it a bio wall, which is a, it's a botanical air filter. It uses plants. It's set up in a way. It's hooked up to your air conditioner system and pulls air through the roots. The roots hold on to volatile organic compounds and particulates, and then it circulates it into the house. And essentially, that was a controlled environment. It turned lights on and off. It irrigated. It recorded temperature and humidity data that we could see through our phone or on our computer. And uh, when I applied for an internship at NASA, they saw that and they were like, wow, that's what we're doing. But we're just growing crops. Instead of filtering air, we're growing crops. Come hang out with us. So I applied for my internship with NASA. I got a call back from the food production and microgravity team. Uh, I didn't Google their names before because I was scared to know who they were so I could talk to them normal. And I did. It, it was We had this wonderful interview. It was so cool. And in the end, they invited me over. I stayed for 10 weeks and it was great. And then they said, why don't you stay longer? And I said, great. Um, and then after my second internship, there was a job position available and it kind of you know, they can't say apply for it, but they're like, if you applied for it, we would seriously consider you. And I applied for it, and then they gave me a full-time position. And pretty much what I'm doing my job now, engineering plant scientist, is what I did as an intern. And, and I'm just like a perpetual intern forever. And it's just so crazy. But, <laughs> I love your story. You know, things came into the right place, but also it's just like applying yourself and you know, getting over um, your own fears and maybe even your own self-doubt and everything. I mean, that takes that takes a lot. And here you are, like you know, kind of like a local celebrity. You're you're the chili guy. You're you're helping NASA with um, you know these great projects. Maybe my last question here would be: You think you'll ever get bored, uh, <laughs> like you did with the the with engines with restaurants? You think you'll ever get bored uh, with um, you know? know space chili and space agriculture like what, what do you what do you envision for yourself in the future that you know that's a great question what does my future hold will I evolve into a NASA researcher um, you know or will I eventually come home and start space chili farms in New Mexico Will I do botanical air filtration you know all these things I I think that that's still up in the air I didn't know 
that uh, space crop production existed before I applied for the job. So it wasn't in my plans to to be a space farmer long term. It, I don't think that I could get bored with it. It's really cool. It's kind of like the Wild West because um, there has been very few developments for this specific purpose. So I'm, as an engineer, as an inventor of this hardware, uh, it's, it's an open territory for me to try all kinds of things that haven't been done. And so I'm just having a lot of fun doing that. But um, I envision in the end that I will like mature into doing my own projects and moving beyond the chilies to do maybe other crops, other cultivars, or pick up other causes. Uh, I would love to come home to New Mexico at some point and, and farm chili here, um, start agriculture and start sharing that with the next generation to pick up our traditions and, and continue them into the future, you know, because there isn't as many students and youngsters farming anymore. And I would just love to bring that back bring it full circle to the core of who we are farming agriculture family all of those things and and i just would love to come and promote that so in 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 the long term i i kind of do envision that i will probably end up back here in new mexico and uh, doing some type of farming and education along the way and try to having fun too you have a lot of pride for New Mexico. I think a lot of us were, we were born here. We kind of, you know, play around outside, um, move away for a little bit. And then eventually we move back because this is a very, very special place here. Um, you know, and for me as Navajo, I mean, like, you know, this is where I belong. This is like, you know, in, in my DNA, if I'm anywhere else, it just doesn't feel right. Like I can go to a vacation to some of the most beautiful places and have fun out there, but I, I would never think to myself like, oh, I could move here. I just, I just want to be back in my desert here. Um, talk a little bit about Española. Like where, where does your pride come from? Sure. that That's a good one. <laughs> I think that we are raised from the very beginning to represent where you are from for whatever reason, you know, but it, it, it's hardwired in us to go wherever you are and say, I'm from Española. And, and so now I am just doing what I was raised to do. I also have to say that these things that I've been doing, you know, uh, going to Purdue University, uh, now going to NASA, there are almost never somebody from Española in there. And so I feel that it's super important that I let everybody know that I am a kid from this place and, um, and I can do some good too. Now there's the other side of that coin that, that if I didn't do well, if something you know didn't go as planned, they would always remember that was the Española guy, the Northern New Mexican guy. Uh, maybe we won't pick another one of those, you know. But but to me, I I feel like what I'm doing is an opportunity. It was an open door for me. If I let everybody know where I'm from, maybe that opens the door for others to come behind me. Uh, yeah, remember that guy from New Mexico? We want to have another one of those kind of thing. And so uh, uh, the, all of that, it's hardwired in us to share where we're from. But and then also I kind of want to open doors for to, for the future for people to come in and stuff and so I just always absolutely share that that this is my town and I'm from this place and of course we're known for having some problems and issues people may see them on the news and I think that that's even more of a reason for me to be loud we have a, a local newspaper and it you know they 
report the news and there's a lot of bad things that happen there's all kinds of people saying we are the worst this is the this is horrible your town is not a good one and i feel like there needs to be a voice on the other side that says no we are good we have skills we are just as smart and we can do these things um and i feel like that's my job That was Jacob Torres. A link to the Space Chili Grow a Pepper Plant Challenge Facebook page is in the show notes. Special thanks to Sol Traverso for his editing help with this episode. Music for Toasted Sister is made by C.W. Ione. Check out his music at cwion.com. That's c-w-a-y-o-n.com. And thank you so much for listening. Please support this podcast on Patreon. You could also let everybody you know about this show and leave a positive review on iTunes. The Toasted Sister Podcast is going to be five years old in January. That's five years of independent food journalism and telling our native stories in podcast form for thousands and thousands of listeners across the world. Thank you for listening to my work and learning about food with me. I love what I do here, even though it's difficult, but this podcast is really the love of my life and it's definitely changed my life. So until next time, I'm Andy Murphy, creator, producer, and host of the Toasted Sister Podcast. <laughs>